Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. Good afternoon. I am Jessica and Caitlin in for the next of our In Conversation series. Uh, hold on two secs while I send the invite through. Let's check. It's going. This works. Thank you all for joining us. It's lunchtime and there's Caitlin. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm okay. I'm a little bit um, groggy, so I've got a bit of a husky voice, so just kind of work around that. That's all right. Can you see me all right? I've got the bright, I... shiny lights of, day, of Cambridge behind me. Oh, there beautiful. You, but you can oh. see me all right, can you? I can see you. I'll turn my light down. I'm blinding myself. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Lovely to see you, Caitlin. Thank you so much for and being you. here. And um, yeah, so what are we doing today? So for anybody who's just joining in, I'm Lottie, founder of the Jura Society, platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. Delighted to be here with Caitlin Jenkins. She's family partner at Mills and Reeve. And today we're going to be discussing no fault divorce. It's probably one of the most significant changes to the legal system in decades, if not more, mm. I think, Caitlin. So um, let's get started. What is this? What, what's this law? So what are we talking about? We're talking about how you get divorced in England and Wales. So we're not talking about any change in the law in Scotland. So Scottish law is different and it stayed the same. It's also important to know we're not talking about the changes, any changes in law about arrangements for kids when people get divorced or on sorting out finances on divorce. We're just talking about the actual mechanics of how you can get divorced in England and Wales, which has changed significantly, which we'll come to. Um, what also hasn't changed is uh, anything to do with jurisdiction. So the, ground on, the grounds on which you can actually use the English courts or the English and Welsh courts to get divorced hasn't changed either it's just the mechanics of how you actually get divorced so that's what it's not <laughs> Ooh, okay and so what do you mean by mechanics what, what are mechanics of divorce yeah so what i mean by that is so the law changed on the 6th of april so it's the law right now it changed the 6th of april this year and what i mean by that is is the the grounds on which you can get divorced so um, before the 6th of April and since, the actual only ground on which you can divorce is that the marriage has broken down irretrievably. That's the actual ground. But before the 6th of April, you had to use one of five hooks to actually then allow the divorce to go through, two of which were very fault-based, and this is the bit that's changed. So the old law was you had to prove that the marriage has broken down irretrievably by one of the parties having committed adultery or unreasonable behaviour or desertion, which was disappearing for 20 years and not being heard of. So you could ignore that one even before the law changed. <laughs> did anyone actually use that one? Do you know what? In 25 years of practice, I've never done, I never did a desertion petition. And now the law has changed and I never will. Oh, so, shame. <laughs> shame, exactly. So, and then the last two were separation grounds. So separating for two years and both people consent or separating for five years, even if somebody didn't consent. So those, that was the old law. And the bit that's changed is all the fault elements have gone so now and that's why all the press are talking about the introduction of no-fault divorce which is the key change but there are other changes but so so all of that has gone and now all you need to do is to simply say our marriage is irretrievably broken down and you can file for divorce and you don't have to indeed you can't 
base it on adultery or unreasonable behavior those no fault elements have gone so it's can the actual still... hook oh, sorry. for doing it no it's fine yeah go on no 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 but i was thinking can you still contest it though um broadly no so mm. that's what's changed so yeah. you can contest it if for example there's no connections with this country so the jurisdiction you just don't have jurisdiction for the english courts to do it um you can contest it for paperwork's wrong what you can't do is say um, no, I didn't behave unreasonably. I still want to stay married. Or, well, I might have committed adultery, but I still want to stay married. Yeah. So, yeah, the ability to actually defend a divorce has gone as well. Yeah. So that's really, it's a really big change. The other thing that's changed, which again is, I think really the press haven't flagged so much, but I think is quite a big change, is until the 6th of April, you couldn't make an application jointly. So one person had to bring the divorce and say, I'm divorcing you. You couldn't both go, yeah, okay, jointly say to a court, we want this marriage to end. You know, we've sadly come to this conclusion. Now, since the 6th of April, you can make a joint application, which actually for quite a lot of clients would be really helpful because it's a sort of mutual conclusion rather than one of them divorcing the other. So that's yeah. the other major change. And I think you'll, you probably kind of see that quite a lot with your mediation work as well, where mm. it's a lot mm. more balanced and less contentious. I mean, some people obviously want to fight and, mm. you know, people will do what they need to do. But some people just really want a clean break, an easy process without too much damage for all of the people surrounding that, you know, that, that breakup of the relationship as well. That's it. And, the, you know, mediation, absolutely right. You'd sit sometimes in before the law changed in mediation with a couple. So I'd be the independent mediator sitting with a couple of, to, to discuss all the different things, children arrangements, finance arrangements, how they're actually going to get divorced. And they were trying to be really consensual and trying to agree as much as they could. And yeah, have the difficult conversations, but trying to sort things out. And then when you had to sort of say, well, that's all super well done. But by the way, one of you's got to divorce the other unless you're prepared to wait two years or five years, one of you's either got to raise the fact of one of you having an adulterous affair with somebody else, or one of you's got to write a list of five or six things that the court will regard as being unreasonable behaviour. And for a lot of clients who are trying to sort of, I mean, the buzzword these days is the good divorce, isn't it? Courtesy of the split. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but for a lot of clients, it's like, oh, okay, we're trying to be really sensible, but now I have to write unreasonable behaviour particulars against you. So it really, um, it, it really did great with quite a lot of people and the fact that they couldn't do it jointly, which they can now do. Yeah, I, I think that's a lot sort of healthier now uh, in, you know, considering the pressure cooker that we've had for the last two years of people being stuck together. I think most people could divorce their spouse on unreasonable behaviour because they were probably so irritated by many things. But again, it's that sliding scale. Yeah, um, well, it is. And I always used to say to clients when the law was that, look, you know, any happily married couple could theoretically really divorce each other on the basis of unreasonable behaviour because it didn't have to be really, really nasty. But it did have to be awkward enough for the court to be satisfied that it was it was unreasonable. And so it was quite jarring, to be honest. Um, and there's, yeah. there's pros and cons. But actually, if we're trying to take some of the animosity out of what is inevitably always a very difficult situation, this is one of the, the key ways of doing so, which is why so many family lawyers, organisations have been campaigning for this change for years.
Yeah, absolutely. And and also, I think it's quite helpful for us to cover the new terminology that's being brought in as well, because I think once people have got their head around what it used to be, now suddenly it's flipped. So are you able to kind of run through a few of those yeah, examples? Absolutely. absolutely. So um, you've got an applicant rather than a petitioner, um, which is and petitioner is very old fashioned terminology. And uh, you have, there's still the two stages in the divorce. We'll talk about timescales in a minute, I'm sure. But there's still the two stages. There's the what used to, the interim divorce decree, which good old bit of Latin that lawyers used to love was called the decree nisi. So people have sometimes heard of decree nisi. That's now the, called the conditional order. So it's an interim order, the conditional order. And then the old terminology was decree absolute. That's when your divorce was actually finalised, when you were actually unmarried. And decree absolute now is final order. So it's conditional order and final order, which makes much more sense than throwing a bit of Latin around, which is what we were doing with nisi and other things. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and then, yeah, talking about the, the, the process and the timelines, how has that changed now? Yeah, so this was one of the most sort of controversial, one of the sort of stickiest bits when this legislation was going through Parliament, because as you could understand, obviously, politically, people didn't necessarily want to be looking to be making divorce easier. So you take out the fault element of unreasonable behaviour or adultery, and they didn't want to say, oh, you know, we're just going to make it easy. Somebody can, can, can make a divorce very simple and straightforward because it was felt that wasn't necessarily a very helpful thing for families. <coughs> so one of the big sort of touchstones was we don't want to make it too quick. We want people to have the opportunity to, to reflect make a serious decision you don't want a sort of knee-jerk reaction and suddenly file for divorce and then think oh my goodness I'm divorced within a week so where they landed in the end was that from the from when you start one person or jointly you start the divorce process there's a minimum basically of 20 weeks before you can have that conditional order that interim order so there's a minimum of 20 weeks so what that's that's five months effectively four and a half five months uh, between the starting of it and getting that interim order and then as before between the conditional order and the final order there's a minimum barring exceptional circumstances of six weeks and one day so really it's 26 weeks as a minimum from start to finish broadly now is that quicker or shorter than previously um in many divorce cases, actually, it's probably, for the divorce itself, probably not shorter and could be longer than some previous divorces mm -hmm. would take. But as before, I suspect what will happen is a lot of divorce cases will start and then they'll get to the conditional order stage, that interim stage, and then the divorce process will sit there whilst everybody's sorting out the finances and getting all of that sorted, which is often the more difficult bit get a financial agreed order or the court to decide what's happening about houses and properties and all of that stuff. And then the, the final order will follow thereafter. So again, the press have had a sort of muttering about, is it making divorce easier? I'm not sure it is. Is it making it quicker? Not really. Um, in some respects, it's making it a bit, taking a bit longer perhaps. Um, but yeah, certainly yeah. A, a sort of framework that, that, that is reasonable, I think, based on experience. And, and so do you still need to go through, you know, the formy process, the, um, the S25s, all of this sort of documentation that you would have to do before behind the scenes after you filed? Is that process still the same? That's all the same. So none of the law relating yeah. to finances and how you sort finances out has changed. So, so that remains the same. You, you have to do financial disclosure in formy or some other format. Um, so it's cards on the table, face up financially with the help of financial planners and all of their people, your, your good self, to make sure that people are being really candid about their finances 
And then there's a negotiation either through the courts or mediation or direct about the financial outcome. So, so none of that has changed. It's just this process bit about how you actually get divorced. Mm, interesting, because there will still be the sort of, you know, I think that a lot of people talk about the delays in the family courts, and it's not going to make any difference to that. Um, but I think a lot of people are talking about other ways of doing it um, as well outside of the court. Do you think that they'll see an uptake in that as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one of the um, so so in the old in the old world before COVID, and I think it had just started before the start of the pandemic. Everything was done on paper, so you had to file your divorce paperwork and send it into a court office, and it was all dealt with on paper. Just before the start of the pandemic, or around the time of the start of the pandemic, they they had an online. They started a sort of online ability to do that, so the solicitors mm. could file the paperwork online. And actually, um, that has been so much easier and so much better for clients and for everybody. And in fact, they've kept that with this new process. And there's also, clients can actually do their own divorce online. You can actually start your own divorce process on the YouGov website. So either you yeah. can use an online process using solicitors, or you can use an online process yourselves on the gov.uk website. Obviously, being a solicitor, I would say, <laughs> take some advice before you do it, because <laughs> there's all sorts Absolutely. of tax all sorts of tax and other implications of starting a divorce mm. process as well as the emotional but um yeah actually one of the benefits of the pandemic has been that those sort of online ability to do things have has had to get up and running and work and so this new process system is building on that so you can still apply online through your solicitor or online yourself direct um mm. I, I think that's yeah. really helpful Definitely. But also what you said as well is, you know, don't just suddenly get in a strop maybe on, you know, on a Saturday afternoon because he's not done something. File your divorce without thinking about the consequences because it is a serious consideration um, Absolutely. in terms of finances, emotional, as you say, and, and you need to know what, how the land will lie as you're going through the process and at the other side as well. It's not just they move out and everything's fine. There's a lot of unpacking to do. Absolutely. And as I always often say to clients when they ring in and they're wondering about divorce or they're thinking about what it would mean, the most important thing is to have a kind of what if meeting with a solicitor, a family solicitor, and also talk to your financial advisor and potentially talk to somebody on the emotional side as well, because it's an emotional aspect as well as a legal and financial. And just have a kind of what if discussion, you know, what if I do this or what if we do this? What, what could this look like? What does it mean? How long does it take? What does it cost? What, what sort of life can I end up with? So I think it's even more important to have those kind of conversations, preliminary conversations, if, if, if potentially mutually with a therapist, if a couple are really struggling about, you know, before pressing some button and getting on some track that, that they haven't really thought through the consequences of. Yeah, that's really important as well. And then, so in terms of, oh, that's one thing, uh, with the cost of filing, does that change at all? No, it's still the same. So there's a court fee. The only yeah. quirk of the court, I think it's 590 something or other pounds. The only quirk of the, um, the court fee is, uh, I said you could make a joint application. But at the moment, mm. even if you make a joint application, only one person can pay for it which is a bit odd. There isn't, doesn't seem yet, maybe it'll get sorted out as this new system sort of smooths off. But at the moment, there doesn't seem to be the ability for one person to pay half and the other person to pay half. But, you know, that's a quirk. But certainly it's, it's, the, the fee is no different for, for, for filing uh, it. And, and actually, hopefully, even when people are doing it through solicitors, 
because you don't have to agree wording of unreasonable behavior particulars or because you don't have to agree yes we're going to use adultery or whatever mm. hopefully the solicitor's fees will be lower as well and, and, and it'll be a sort of easier aspect and uh, to, to once agreed there's going to be a divorce the actual process itself will, will follow through quite smoothly it's that yeah are we you know is it are, that are we divorcing and how are we going to do it that's the bigger question rather than the process being that uh, that uh, bumpy yeah which hopefully will then help people like, you know, avoid so much of the emotional sort of replaying in their heads. If there has been something quite catastrophic, they can just get to agree, shake hands and then start the division process rather than fight, then divide, which will probably upset that, draw it out longer, fees go up, you know, nobody's happy. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that this is, yeah. Yeah, and that's been the whole sort of push for the change in the law. It's been a long time coming. Uh, actually, there was some legislation on the stocks back in 1996, believe it or not, that would have introduced no-fault divorce. Wow. But it was never actually, I know, it's a long time, Family Law Act 96, but it was never actually brought into force for various political reasons. And then there's been various sort of cases along the way. There was an Owens case a few years ago where it was all very high profile, went to the Supreme Court where one person was being held to a marriage because the other person didn't accept their behaviour was unreasonable. And, you know, it's been a long old thrust along the way with lots of research about how unhelpful it can be to have this fault element being brought into the marriage and to the divorce, obviously for the couple, the adult couple, but particularly for children, uh, minor children yeah. involved in all of this, for, for one party to be blaming another. It just increases mm -hmm. animosity and that's hard for the couple, but it's really, really hard for the children. So... It's been a long time coming and, you know, overall from sort of research based from the academics doing research on this, from the judiciary, from family lawyers, generally, it's, it's felt it's a, a better thing. There is, there is a, I mean, being really honest, there is a possible downside. You know, it is okay. an emotional aspect. And mm. if we don't, there needs to be an outlet for or query whether there needs to be an outlet for and this outlet has been shut off through the divorce process for somebody feeling that they want it to be clear that they feel their relationship has broken down for example because the other person's committed adultery mm -hmm. so yeah. that no longer can play out in the divorce process and i think family lawyers particularly are going to have to be quite um, careful and, and and supportive of clients who need to find a way to have that expressed and acknowledged whether that's to the lawyer whether that's in mediation between the couple whether that's using therapeutic support because you know adultery and unreasonable behavior and one person feeling that the other person's at fault is not going to stop just because the law has changed no. but it's how we then um, acknowledge it and help the people sort of move through that to kind of separate um, without too much animosity but without pretending that animosity doesn't exist or has never been there so so i think there is a challenge there for family lawyers supporting but clients. that's also quite interesting because the you know the cause of divorce before this anyway wouldn't have had any impact on the actual you know final offers or the settlement Correct. because yeah. it's all based on needs anyway so it's almost that maybe finding a new arena which isn't in the legal system to play out that whether it's through mediation or you know some kind of therapy or encouraging people to move forwards through you know finding a new avenue might be really help, helpful perhaps yeah absolutely and you're right and you know whilst before the 6th of april you could mention the adultery or mention the unreasonable behavior but it didn't mean that the person at fault as it were yeah, they under that old law. correct they didn't get less time with their kids and they didn't get less money mm. or have to pay more money so so there was a complete disconnect there 
But yeah, yeah, you're right. How does it play out? And I think how it will play out is, I think family lawyers are just going to have to acknowledge it more with clients. And I think Mm. that, I mean, we at Mills and Reeve would always suggest to people that they think about the emotional track as well as the legal track. So having some emotional support, some therapeutic support, maybe some counselling support to help them as parents communicate to help them look after, you know, co-parent their kids going forward and yeah. work out how to communicate better. And maybe it'll come up in that kind of context that, that there's an acknowledgement about their difficulties to sort of clear the, clear the way, clear the decks a bit to be able to co-parent going forward. But query whether the divorce bit helped with that anyway, but it's, it isn't an option anymore. Yeah, but I think, yeah, it's good that people are seeing it as a multidisciplinary approach as well to divorce now. And it's not just the financial, it's not just the legal. And the fact that people are saying, is it quicker? Is it easier? Is it going to be, you know, is it shaming the sanctity of marriage and all of that? Mm -hmm. Having those discussions is really, really good because then people can come up with their own definition of of what it means to them and then navigate it from that way. You know, no matter if they want to go to mediation, if they want to go to therapy, but it's making sure that people know where those resources are that's really crucial now I think at that point I absolutely agree and I always say to clients that I, I always think of, of supporting clients potentially like a three-legged stool so you need the kind of legal yeah. bit you need the financial side like you and, and other sort of financial colleagues uh, to mm. help people work out what their finances are how long it'll last them what they need in retirement you know what their budget should be all those sorts of things you need that financial support and you also need the emotional, whether it's therapy, whether it's counselling, whether it's divorce coach, that kind of interpersonal helping you communicate. Because particularly, not exclusively, but particularly when people have got kids, their divorce may take six, 12 months, but they're going to be parents for life. They've got to co-parent and, and exactly. sit at the top table at the wedding of their children and all those things. And so actually those three yeah. limbs, I think, and not everybody needs that, but a lot of clients do. And that means... <clears throat> clients are making the best informed decisions about all the different aspects in in my my sort of sense of it really yeah and I, I love that approach and that's why I think we get along so well it's because it's Absolutely. having that that, <laughs> that consideration t- towards any process is really important um Absolutely. I'm noticing we're close for time I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to mention um this is all fascinating and you know <laughs> could talk about this for hours. no I mean I would say I suppose the um it'll be interesting to see how it works um we've been waiting mm. for this change for so long and whenever there's a change in the law some it has often has sort of uh, unexpected consequences you know it's a bit like tax changes you pull one lever and something else sort of pops up as a consequence um <laughs> it's like whack-a-mole you know? um, exactly so yeah be interesting to see how it plays out and most importantly really how it plays out for clients you know this is actually about individuals and their lives and 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 trying to make sure that it's sort of fit for purpose and you mentioned you know, whilst we may have got a better sort of way of divorcing, hopefully in terms of the law and the process, there's still a lot to be fixed in the, in the family law world with courts really, really creaking and, and difficult to get uh, courts to deal with financial issues or to deal with children arrangements. So actually, there's much more to go on being creative about helping families sort the wider problems. You mentioned mediation, collaborative law, arbitration, other, lots of other ways of really helping people get to their, their solutions. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Let's see. Let's see what happens next. So we're moving Absolutely. forwards and, yeah, bringing it all up into the into modern day world. But thank you. Thank you so much, Caitlin. And I'll thank share you. your details. And again, always love picking your brains on these subjects. And I look forward to speaking to you very soon. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, that is really good to discuss it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. See you later. Cheers. Bye bye.
Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did. If you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too, please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit, where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events, and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.